Welcome to InfoZe, where we provide an expose on the current systems of information. We're your hosts, Sarah Hankin and Maya Gantor. We are both second-year students at the University of Michigan enrolled in SI 110. In this podcast, Sarah and I will be discussing some of the topics we've covered in our Introduction to Information course and how the flow of information affects us personally as well as other members of our society. The term technological determinism will help paint a framework for our discussion today. In short, technological determinism explains the prominent role that technology plays in shaping our cultural practices. What's tricky and what we've learned in this class is that people don't notice a successful information system. It blends in and it's only noticed when there's a hiccup in the system. The tendency for communication systems to camouflage works to our benefit much of the time as it allows us to move through our lives with minimal thought as to how we receive information. The downside to this autopilotness perpetuated by the camouflaged information system is that we become numb or blind to the negative ways in which information systems affect us and the greater society. For instance, modern technology has fostered a widely recognized sense of user disinhibition when people interact with one another online. Cyber psychologist and researcher John Soler proposes that there are six main factors which contribute to online disinhibition. Dissociative anonymity, invisibility, and asynchronicity. Solipsistic introduction, dissociative imagination, and minimized authority. This phenomenon is the driving force behind the misuse of modern technology. Rather than using this space for its intended purpose, many people give into this disinhibition and act selfishly behind the cloak of anonymity provided by the internet. While improved technology is designed to afford us benefits, its design falls short where it prompts the spread of misinformation, the exacerbation of existing inequalities, and the transformation from people-centered jobs to machine-centered jobs. Some good information systems that I've noticed in everyday life include um, the computer that naturally connects to Wi-Fi. This happens naturally and you don't necessarily think about it. Um, we can also include a projector, which we use in classrooms to portray any lecture information or videos or content. Um, we also can include news channels. They are reliable and scheduled, and you can just choose your news, and you just get your information really easily with the click of a button. Yeah, totally. And, like, hearing about all those good information systems, like, also reminds me of, like, when you notice it's a bad information system is like when you get really frustrated. Like I personally get super annoyed when my internet doesn't connect. But like you said, it's like just so like natural and systematic when it just automatically connects, especially to like the university Wi-Fi. Um, ads on platforms that never used to have ads, such as YouTube, like as a form of like incentivizing you to buy a premium subscription. Like these are in my opinion, bad information systems. Like, they frustrate the user and they make you notice the information system. They make you feel like a product of an information system. And good information systems just make you feel like a normal person. One of the ways in which technology fails us is how it facilitates the rapid spread of misinformation. Misinformation is characterized by the sharing of false or misleading information. 
Misinformation is not information that is intended to cause harm, but it inherently creates an issue because the content isn't rooted in truth. The spread of misinformation is not new with the rise of modern technology, as people have started rumors, spread propaganda, and mistaken stories since the dawn of time. However, after the Spanish-American War, the public demanded more credible news sources. The New York Times stepped into the role of a credible news source. It was inevitable, however, that people would get back to spreading falsehoods, and that, of course, surged with the growth of web-based news. The reason information is so easily skewed via the internet is because of the way we share information online. News sources are shared on social media by followers and friends, which we can assume is a like-minded group of people sending likely manipulated information that they know will appeal to their recipient. This fosters a small and skewed knowledge base for social media users, as most people don't look beyond news sources that confirm their own beliefs. Moreover, information found on social media is often a combination of snippets from several news sources. This contributes to a diminished sense of credibility, which most users don't check before passing on the news to their friends and family. Additionally, news spreads on social media based on how popular it is, how many sends it gets, and what trending hashtags are attached to the post. This incentivizes journals to create content with the intent of drawing recipients in rather than relaying the truest events. News reporters aren't meant to be entertainers. People rely on them for the truth. But the nature of our current information system encourages news reporters to appeal to their audience and sacrifice the truth. A recent example of largely distributed misinformation was displayed in the context of abortion processes. Activists in the anti-abortion movement have promoted the falsehood that there's a link between abortion and breast cancer using language that facilitates trust within vulnerable groups of people seeking abortions, such as our studies and the abortion industry's studies. Anti-choice marketers have promoted medical misinformation campaigns for decades using pamphlets, social media, and in crisis pregnancy centers. People were spreading the rumor about the link between breast cancer and abortion long before the invention of the internet. However, anti-abortion protesters have abused the internet's, internet's fast ability to spread wide information on a global scale to advance their own political and religious agenda. With the mentioned tendency for people to share skewed information among a like-minded group, social media has also created an immense polarization. There are hundreds of news sites to tune into if one particular one isn't displaying the story that you want to hear. While the internet and social media are not responsible for the invention of misinformation spreading, they are accountable for making this process easier and making a minimal effort to regulate and decrease the spread of misinformation. Another way in which modern technology fails us is that it exacerbates existing inequalities. One prominent way that technology perpetuates inequalities is through the digital divide. The digital divide can be broadly understood as the gap between people who have reliable internet access and those who lack consistent internet access. The gap modeled by the digital divide has become increasingly larger as the internet has become increasingly embedded in our society. So many aspects of our lives these days depend on having stable internet access. As a student, I wouldn't be able to do my homework without stable internet connection or email my teachers with homework questions, and I certainly wouldn't be able to join Zoom office hours. The digital divide only worsened when the COVID-19 pandemic began in the middle of 2020. 
Our society was functioning solely through technology platforms such as news broadcasts, Zoom school, social media, telehealth, medical visits, and this is all in addition to our normally high technology dependence. During the pandemic, one in five teens reported an inability to complete their assignments due to the lack of internet access. In the United States alone, 12 million school-aged children were able were without internet access during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. It should come as no surprise that those negatively affected by the digital divide are historically marginalized groups, such as Black and Hispanic residents. It was recorded that nearly 50% of children in the United States without internet access during the pandemic were of Black or Hispanic descent. Additionally, certain states are at disadvantages in regards to sufficient internet bandwidth, including New Mexico, Montana, Vermont, Alabama, Oklahoma, Indiana, Missouri, Tennessee, and South Carolina. Further than the lack of accessibility is a lack of education on how to use digital platforms. Even if money is funded to places with low internet bandwidth, victims of digital divide will still remain unaware on how to use this new technology. It goes beyond money. Closing the gap requires time, teaching, patience, and understanding. It would take an estimated $240 billion to expand broadband access to every household, essentially closing the digital divide. People don't generally think that reliable internet access is high on the list of national priorities, so it's doubtful that money would go to this cause before being delegated to other, more urgent sectors. Another way in which modern technology exacerbates inequalities is through algorithms of oppression. Websites and social media platforms use computer algorithms to decide what to put on their users' feet to keep them engaged. It's almost like a game, but people's user experiences are subject to whether whatever biases or values that their creator um, holds. There was an investigation of Google and YouTube performed by a nonprofit investigative organization called The Markup in early 2021. Because The Markup doesn't make a profit from private companies, we can trust that they are around to serve the public by exposing harmful algorithms. What they found in this study was that Google's guidelines prohibited ads containing the phrase Black Lives Matter. In a different investigation, the markup exposed TikTok for having guidelines against people with quote-unquote undesirable physical characteristics, such as stretch marks, body fat, leg hair, etc., resulting in the removal of videos containing such content. Additionally, in the summer of 2020, Naomi Nicholas-Williams, a black plus-size model, had her photographs removed via Instagram's algorithms, claiming that she was nude. She had clothes on, but the algorithm couldn't understand her body. According to Kayla Logan, creator of the Don't Delete My Body movement, quote, there's a bot in the algorithm and it measures the amount of clothing to skin ratio. And if there's anything above 60%, it's considered sexually explicit. It's inherently fat phobic and discriminatory, end quote. Another example of oppression perpetuating algorithms is the credit card system. Black and indigenous people of color have historically faced discrimination in getting access to lines of credit and capital. So when banks use algorithms to determine the credit worthiness of individuals, they continue the cycle of discrimination. When a company has history of gender bias, their algorithms are more likely to reject women applicants. U.S. courts and law enforcement sometimes use a practice known as predictive policing, which can determine everything from bond amounts to who is likely to commit another crime to how long an individual is going to spend in prison. These algorithms are rooted in prejudice and thus perpetuate existing inequalities.
One algorithm that's being widely adopted is surveillance cameras used by um, law enforcement to um, to identify people committing crimes. However, the surveillance cameras misidentify African American and Asian individuals by up to 10 to 100 times more than white individuals. And people could argue that these um, technologies have flaws or that they'll get fixed, but in reality, technology errors reflect the beliefs of their creators, which is the epitome of technological determinism. The crime data reported by these surveillance cameras is then used to predict geographical crime hotspots, which targets minority groups because it's based on where the crimes were reported or spotted by police in the past. However, this is disproportionate to the crimes that are actually prevalent. Um, the system is reliant on uh, policing, but the inherent racist policing then determines the data that algorithm that the algorithm for predictive policing recycles, which heightens the surveillance and, um, and perpetuates racial profiling. Finally, in conjunction with the digital divide, we are increasingly seeing a shift towards machine-centered job markets rather than human-centered job markets. In other words, a shift towards a technological dystopia. This shift excludes a large portion of black and Hispanic workers where an estimated 86% of jobs would be unattainable for marginalized group, groups due to lack of interest, internet access, and education. We can see a direct translation of this in the implementation of self-driving cars. There are many pros to self-driving cars, including the reduction in crash rates by 90%, the elimination of directional mistakes and the reduction in gas costs, and a decrease in bottleneck traffic situations. However, we also have to take in the cons into consideration. For one, economists projected that the robots can take over two, uh, 20 million jobs around the world by 2030. Even from right now until the complete normalization of self-driving cars, there's an estimated loss of 300,000 jobs annually. The shift towards self-driving cars also increases the susceptibility of drivers to security breaches and privacy invasions, as everything would be computerized. Furthermore, self-driving cars lack the ability to make a moral decision in the face of a real-time dilemma. If there were a deer in the middle of the road, a self-driving car might choose to hit it rather than bump into another driver, even if it was unnecessary. There are some tasks that ought to remain human-checked. While modern technology has improved our world in many ways, we must be wary about the negative consequences. Processes are made easier by technology, but easier does not always mean better, such as in the example of misinformation. It might be easy to skim something, see if it backs up your beliefs, and pass it along to someone else, but harm results from the spread of misinformation. Unfortunately, it is often too late to realize a harmful information system until after negative effects have already arisen, so it's important to be attentive to the world and keep technological determinism in mind. We hope you enjoyed the pilot episode of InfoZ, and we are your hosts, Maya Contour and Sarah Hankin, signing off.